Welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 11. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. In today's episode, as it is the first Wednesday of the month, we'll be discussing aviation news from last month. Stay tuned for all this and more and Squawk 5353. Our first story comes from GeneralAviationNews.com. Electric Engine Developer Wins Technology Award Magni-X, which develops electric propulsion systems for general aviation, has been selected to receive the Frost & Sullivan Technology Innovation Leadership Award for the year 2020. Abhigayan Tathagat, a senior analyst at Frost & Sullivan, says that, quote, Magni-X has shown a sustainable an innovative approach to its technology and application diversity, as well as its superior technical capabilities that set it apart from the competition. He goes on to say that, with its overall strong performance, Magni-X has impressive client relationships and installations with leading fleet operations and aircraft manufacturers, demonstrating its reliability. It has been almost a year since the Magni-X-powered e-caravan, an adaptation of the Cessna caravan, took flight. Roy Gonzarski, CEO of MagniX, says that, quote, At MagniX, we are grateful that our vision to change how the world views transportation, significant milestones despite a turbulent year. We are honored by this recognition from Frost & Sullivan, and we are more motivated than ever to transform the commercial aviation landscape to a more sustainable one, without compromise. As a society, we are becoming more and more conscientious of our environmental impact. Electric engines are truly the engines of the future, and Magni-X has long been ahead of the curve. Although not commonplace in general aviation or commercial aviation yet, slowly this filtration into the system will have larger repercussions on our environment. Our next story follows this same theme of environmental conscientiousness. From AviationPros.com, Deloitte and Delta partnered to cut emissions with sustainable fuel. Quote, Delta Airlines struck an agreement for consulting from Deloitte to buy sustainable aviation fuel, part of an effort by the companies to reduce emissions and avoid government regulation, end quote. Deloitte, a major consulting firm, committed in September to reduce to a net-zero greenhouse gas plan by the year 2030. This plan includes utilizing renewable energy in buildings and converting vehicles from gas-powered to electric-powered for company travel. Deloitte has long partnered with Delta as their main air carrier for their consultants. As major corporations like Deloitte are trying to shy away from their environmental footprint, they may slowly cut out air travel altogether. However, this deal between Delta and Deloitte is aimed at mitigating some of the impact. Delta CEO Ed Bastain said that, quote, there's so much pressure from our customers for a solution. You hear the consultancies, the accounting firms, and the financial services and technology companies that are saying, hey airlines, you're a big part of my footprint, so I'm going to have to reduce my travel to offset my footprint, unless we can find a better answer together. Delta plans on partnering with renewable fuel maker Nesti. Companies are slowly decreasing their environmental footprint to avoid government mandates under the new president. Delta last year committed $1 billion over 10 years to mitigate carbon emissions. 91% of executives said that their business has felt the impact of climate change, according to a Deloitte Global Survey. 
Again, from GeneralAviationNews.com, researchers seek insight from general aviation pilots. Jeff Smith, a student pilot at Mississippi State University, has put out a call for help from general aviation pilots. He says, quote, Some classmates and I are working on a group project this semester related to software adoption and the use among pilots within the general aviation community. I have included a link to this survey in the show notes. It is quite a brief survey and just asks about, quote, any software you might currently use for maintenance tracking and air readiness and what developments you might like to see in those areas. Taking the time to fill out this survey is a great way to improve the general aviation community and help make the skies a safer place. Our next article too deals with technology in the cockpit, but this time as a hindrance. Again from generalaviationnews.com, Rush pilot lands with gear up, blames iPad for blocking his view of landing gear position light. The pilot of a retractable landing gear equipped Cessna 172 reported that during the approach to the airport in Atlanta, he noticed he was a little high so he reduced power to idle and heard an alert horn. He quickly scanned the engine gauges and observed the manifold pressure gauge was pegged at the bottom with no indication. He considered performing a go-around, but decided to land and assess the situation on the ground. The pilot landed the airplane with the landing gear retracted. The pilot added that he did not see the landing gear position light because his iPad was sitting on his yoke and blocked his view. He also added, saying that leading up to the approach and landing, the flight was very fast-paced and he felt rushed, which caused him to think that he was flying in his typical fixed landing gear airplane. Although this accident took place over a year ago, the NTSB just released its final report. Even as experienced pilots, this is a great reminder that we should always use our checklists. Decklists, although they seem rather mundane and useless if you're comfortable with an airplane, are a great way to make sure that you are checking all the necessary boxes and doing all the necessary steps to ensure a safe flight. The pilot in this case was flying an aircraft that he was unfamiliar with. Because he did not use his checklist and had his vision obscured by an iPad, he was unable to recognize that his landing gear were not down. And finally, from FlyingMeg.com, FAA plants $5.4 million fine on Boeing. This fine, caused by the recertification of the 737 MAX plane, creates a total for Boeing of nearly $20 million. Under a 2015 agreement between Boeing and the FAA, Boeing pledged to change its internal processes to improve and prioritize regulatory compliance because Boeing had missed some of its improvement targets and because some company managers did not sufficiently prioritize compliance with FAA regulations. Boeing previously paid $12 million in civil penalties as an initial condition of the 2015 agreement. The terms of this new settlement were reached at the end of December 2020 and required Boeing to meet specific performance targets and authorize the FAA to assess deferred penalties if it failed to do so. The 737 MAX incident was tragic for the Boeing company as well as for the FAA. Because of these new regulations set by the FAA on Boeing, the FAA's oversight on this matter shows that they were failing to do something that they had pledged to do. Boeing, on the other hand, had a fleet of aircraft which were rendered useless because of the 737 MAX TCAS system. This concludes today's segment on February's news. And now to touch on a topic that we talked about in one of this week's news stories. 
From the beginning of our private pilot training, checklist, checklist, checklist is drilled into us. These so-called checklists out there are typically actually do lists, step-by-step -step instructions on how to do stuff, formatted in a checklist form. The first question I'd like to pose is, why do we use a checklist? The answer seems obvious, of course, and it's to make sure we don't miss out on anything important that affects the safety of our flight and make sure we don't break anything on the aircraft. But oftentimes, the items listed on a checklist do not necessarily affect the safety of the flight, nor do they have the potential to damage the aircraft. For example, in an engine start checklist, let's say you forget to turn on the master switch. What will happen? Well, obviously, nothing. Other than a little bit of embarrassment, your airplane will virtually be fine and you simply will just have to restart the process. However, these checklists that we find in most general aviation airplanes are not actually checklists, but rather do lists. I have been carefully interchanging the words checklist and do list, but they're actually completely separate things. A do list is a list of things on which the list everything must be done. A checklist, however, is just an abridged version which gives the overarching themes and relies on the pilot's ability to perform basic functions of that aircraft. When using a checklist, pilots should only use the checklist to verify that things are getting done. The actual doing of these items should be done in a flow or a sequence program usually done by muscle memory. In general aviation, we typically think of checklists as our emergency procedures checklists or our preparing to land checklists. During these crucial stages of flight, we as pilots often don't have the time we need to pull out a do list and make sure that we're doing every step. We must just understand the flow of what we have to be doing. While a do list is effective in some stages of flight, like engine start or when you reach your maximum cruise, checklists are often a much more efficient way. A do list is typically very long and wordy and can include multiple pages of instructions. When we first begin our flight training, student pilots typically will use a do list just because they're unfamiliar with the procedures and without the do list, certain tasks won't be getting done. As you advance through your flight training, however, to become a better pilot, you should set up a flow to accomplish tasks, which will help you perform them more efficiently. Finally, the last step I'd recommend is creating your own checklist. Take your airplane's POH and sit down. Take all the items of the checklist and group them together in parts that are similar in the position that they are in the airplane. Then consolidate your checklist. Instead of saying altimeter and attitude indicator, making sure that they are both reading correctly, just say flight instruments. Simplify your checklist as much as you think is appropriate for your level of experience and attention to detail. That being said, if you typically forget an item or find yourself unable to sequence items together, you can make an extra note of it by writing it in your condensed checklist. The process of creating your own checklist can be tedious and time-consuming, yet it pays off in the end. I've developed two checklists of my own, one for a standard 172 Skyhawk and one for a G1000 equipped Skyhawk. I have both of these laminated and can be interchangeably placed on my kneeboard. As I fly with these checklists, I slowly get rid of things I don't need and add things that I often find myself forgetting. This ultimately helps me become a safer pilot and make the skies a safer place.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. A link to all the resources used in today's show can be found in the show notes. Also linked in the show notes is the survey that I talked about in today's episode. Also in the links to today's episode is a link to my Patreon. If you don't know, Patreon is a way to financially support the show. The show takes a lot of time out of my week to research, record, and edit. Your financial donation to this show would be much appreciated. If you haven't already, make sure to check out last week's episode on how to prepare for your private pilot checkride. Finally, please subscribe to this show on whatever platform you're using and share it with a friend who you think might enjoy the show as well. Again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353, and let's make this skies a safer place. Thank you.